So Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 through 21, forms the epilogue of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, 6. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he said to me, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. Well, as with the rest of the book of Revelation, there are many great truths, as we've just seen, that we could address today in this 22nd chapter. But the fact is, is that Jesus' main emphasis here in the last chapter of the last book in the Bible is that he is coming soon. So we're going to be asking the question here today, periodically, throughout this message, are you ready? Are you ready for the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. But before we begin, I'd like to share a personal story that will hopefully illustrate the importance of readiness. One of the most memorable moments in my career as a speedy delivery driver was on a day when I was delivering in Appleton and President George Bush came to town. Just before Air Force One landed, I was actually driving out near the airport when suddenly a black helicopter dropped out of the sky right in front of me, hovered there for a second, and then flew off. I thought, wow, this is a big deal. (laughs) Now, College Avenue was the route the president would be taking downtown. And so there were helicopters flying overhead over the route, and Police were everywhere. Every side street was closed off, and College Avenue, which is normally a really busy street, was completely empty. I, like most people, 
pulled off into a parking lot to watch. It's about all I could do. After a while, here came the president's motorcade. Police, secret service, limos, and then the president's limo itself, flying down College Avenue. Quite the reception, and rightfully so. The president of the United States had come to town, and Appleton was ready. But what if they hadn't been ready? What if they hadn't been prepared for the coming of the president of the United States? What if there was no limo for him? and they had to rent a Chevy Malibu or something to drive him around town? And what if he had to walk through the concourse and pick up his own luggage like everybody else? And what if they'd not closed the side streets and the president's Chevy Malibu would have had to battle traffic like the rest of us? Now, you might laugh at that, but that would have really dishonored the president, wouldn't it? and would have been a terrible commentary on the readiness of the city of Appleton for the coming of the President of the United States. Now, obviously, Appleton was ready. But how about you? Are you ready for an infinitely more important coming? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which again will be our main focus as we close the book of Revelation this morning. So today we come to the great conclusion of Revelation and to the entire Bible, the exclamation point, the great culmination of everything that we've learned up to this point. And Dan shared with us last week what the main points of Revelation were. Jesus is king. All evil will be destroyed. Jesus will rule and reign with his followers forever and ever. So in light of that, what again is the final takeaway Jesus emphasizes here in Revelation 22? Well, he says it three times. In verse 7, in verse 12, and verse 20, he says, I am coming soon, or I am coming quickly. In fact, if Jesus were standing here before us this morning and he was fielding questions from you, And one of you asked him, after all that we've learned in Revelation, what is the one thing that you want us to remember? I think we can confidently say, Jesus would say again, I am coming soon. So again, the question each one of us needs to be asking ourselves as we move through this great climax to the book of Revelation is, am I ready for the soon coming return of Jesus Christ? Now, Dan did a wonderful job leading us through the book of Revelation, didn't he? Helping us to focus on the lion rather than the duck, right? But some of you may still have lingering thoughts. Uh, Lingering thoughts like, you know, some of this is still really difficult to understand. And perhaps even leading to the question in a few of you, how can I know this is all true? Well, the angel gives John the answer to that uh, question here at the beginning of verse 6 where we read again, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. Everything we've learned in the book of Revelation, everything in the entire Bible, these words, they are faithful and they are true. And that is the rock-solid foundation that we have, the rock-solid foundation for all we believe and all we practice in the church, and that is the word of God. There's a ton of of uncertainty in our world today, isn't there? Just uncertainty everywhere. A myriad of opinions in the news and on social media, 
causing many to, to think and say, you know, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Just confusion. Well, as the angel tells John here, the, the prophecies of this book, as well as all of Scripture, are faithful and they are true. In other words, they are certain. They are trustworthy. They are absolutely worthy to be believed. And the fact that God's word is trustworthy is emphasized throughout the scriptures. For example, Psalm 119 and verse 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. And then we have Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God. It is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we can rest in the absolute certainty and trustworthiness of the word of God in this tumultuous world of uncertainty in which we live. And we can rest in the certainty of the truth of all that we have learned here in the book of Revelation including Jesus' main emphasis here in this final chapter. Again, the fact is that he is coming soon. And this is something that's emphasized really throughout Revelation. For example, in in chapter 1 and verse 3, John basically opens this book saying, the time is near. In other words, the time is close at hand. In other words, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is fast approaching. That's the point. So let's take a look then at at the first of these three places in Revelation 22 where Jesus declares, I am coming soon, and it's here in verse 7. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now the Greek word, uh, erkamai, which is the word coming here, refers to a movement from one place to another. Again, a movement from one place to another. In Acts chapter 1, the angel uses the same word in the Greek to describe the fact that Jesus will come back in the same way that he ascended up into heaven. So look with me, if you would, please, at Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Again, this is, refer- this is a description of the ascension of Jesus Christ. It says, After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them, angels. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come, same word, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. So Jesus is coming back in the same way that he left, in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There will be no mistaking what is happening when Jesus Christ comes again. 
The second coming of Christ will be an event so spectacular, so overwhelmingly powerful, it will not even be close to anything that you or I have experienced or seen in this life. As Jesus says in Matthew 24, 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So let's look together at some New Testament descriptions of this glorious event. And I'm going to kind of do this rapid fire. But these are all descriptions of our Lord's coming. First of all, Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the, the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds all over the universe from one end of heaven to the other. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And notice here the similarities we see between this passage and the one we just read in Matthew. It says here in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Second part of verse 7 says, This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels when he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And then, of course, the passage that Dan covered a couple of weeks ago. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. There's those words again. And he judges and makes war with justice. His eyes were like a fiery flame and many crowds were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came out from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. Sam Storms says, Jesus will come bathed in radiant splendor, enveloped within an atmosphere of indescribable brilliance, surrounded by the ear-piercing praise of angels and saints, scintillating light shining from his eyes, irresistible power pouring from his hands. None will deny his beauty or escape his transforming energy. No wonder people will either cry out in terror if they don't know the Lord, or they will rejoice with overflowing joy if they do at the time of the Lord's coming. So our question again that we want to be pondering is, are you ready? Are you ready for our Lord's return? Well, not only does Jesus say here, I'm coming, 
But he adds, I'm coming soon. Or as Jesus put it in Revelation 16, 15, look, I am coming like a thief. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming suddenly. I'm coming unexpectedly, especially for those who don't know the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes here, he says, about the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As I saw that phrase, sudden destruction, I thought about that terrible hurricane that we actually prayed for the survivors and those who are suffering down there this morning. The, the sudden destruction that Hurricane Ian uh, wreaked havoc upon the west coast of Florida. And yet the devastation Jesus will bring in his return will be infinitely worse for an ungodly world. And then verse 5, but you brothers and sisters are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So for the believer, we will not know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, but we will be ready. That's the point here. We walk in light, not in darkness. Jesus said in the Gospels, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up, for your redemption draws near. So Jesus is coming, and he's coming quickly. But you might be thinking at this point, quickly? Soon? It's been over 2,000 years, and he hasn't come back yet. Where is he? Well, Peter addresses that question. He addresses it in 2 Peter. So I know we're bouncing around a little bit, but I think it's profitable. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Peter says here, Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. A lot of scoffers out there today, aren't there? Saying, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they've been since the beginning of creation. Well, then we read in verse 8, Peter addresses, he says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So Peter explains here that the 2,000 plus years between the New Testament period and our day might seem like an extremely long time to us, not to God. To him, it's like a day or two. He's not limited by time. He's eternal. And so he sees everything at once. And so to him, from his perspective, it's been like maybe a day or two, just like that. And the seeming delay is due to God's great long-suffering and mercy. That's why he hasn't come back yet. Verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So think of that. The Lord is giving mankind space to repent. But there's coming a day at the Lord's return where that opportunity will suddenly end, just like that. So again, are you ready? 
Have you repented of your sins and received Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior and Lord? If so, you will be ready, but if not, the Lord's return will come upon you like a terrifying visit from a thief in the night. Now, a very important question or another very important question for us to answer is, how will the Lord find you and I at his return? What's he going to find when he comes back? That song we sang last week, uh, part of it was from the hymn, The Solid Rock. And verse 4 of that hymn really relates to what we're talking about today. This is how that fourth stanza goes. It says, When he shall come with trumpet sound, O may I them in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Do you see how well that verse relates to what we're talking about today? So may we be found, first of all, in Christ, in his righteousness alone, having been justified by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ, having washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So may we be found in Christ, first of all, and him alone in readiness for his return. And then secondly, may we be found in obedience. We see in our passage, Revelation 22 and verse 7. Again, it says, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, the word keeps there means that we are to carefully observe all of the prophecies and promises that are written in the book of Revelation. We've learned it all. Now we need to carefully observe everything that is written in it. God has given his word Again, it is faithful and it is true. And he actually gives a benediction here to those who remain faithful to it. One commentator writes that to keep the words of revelation is likened to someone who clings to a priceless treasure, letting no one take it from him. That's how strongly we are to keep the words of the prophecy of this book and, in fact, the whole word of God. So no matter what lies and what deception might come against us, and there's a lot of it out there, isn't there? No matter what lies or deception come against us challenging our faith, we must cling to the truths found here in Revelation and really the truths that we find throughout the Bible. And then, of course, not only must we cling to it, we must live in light of that truth, right? We, can't, we don't just believe, but we live out then. We obey what we see. Our lives are to be characterized by obedience. But we must value God's word above any other thing in this world. Psalm 19 says, God's commands are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. So maybe you don't think of gold as particularly valuable to you, but whatever it is, God's word has infinite value. And it is more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold. And then thirdly, may we be found in readiness for the final judgment. Read with me verse 12 here in Revelation 22. <clears throat> Jesus says, look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. According to his work. 
We need to remember that when Jesus Christ returns, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In Matthew 25, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations, think of that, all the nations will be gathered before him. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So when Jesus returns, he's bringing his reward, he's bringing his wages with him to repay each person, it says, according to his work. Now we will be eternally thankful uh, to God that he saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But it is not a faith that is alone, Martin Luther said. In James chapter 2, we find faith without works is dead. So it is not a faith that is alone, but will, through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us, produce good works. So while we're saved by grace, we will be judged in the end by our works because they will demonstrate what our true spiritual condition really is. The New Testament commentator Lenski said, each person's life will be in a sum his work, and that work is the public evidence of what is in our hearts, either faith or unbelief. So do you see the intimate connection tied there between faith and works, between what we believe and what we practice? The, the Christian's life is to be characterized by righteousness. That is the clear teaching and, and consistent teaching of the New Testament. So may we be found in him dressed in his righteousness alone, May we be found in obedience, clinging to the prophecies of this book. May we be found in readiness for the final judgment, faultless to stand before his throne. And then finally, may we be found in eager expectation of his return. Verse 20 of Revelation uh, chapter 22. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And then we see John's joyous response Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. As Christians, we're just temporary residents in this world, right? Can't get too comfortable here. This isn't our home. We're just temporary residents here. Foreigners and strangers occupying until our Lord's return. And you know, his return should be the one thing, the one event that we anticipate above and beyond anything else. Can anyone give me a good reason why that wouldn't be the case for the believer in Christ? That it should be the one thing, the one event that we anticipate in this life above and beyond everything else. But it's difficult for us American Christians sometimes, isn't it? I know it's, it's difficult for me sometimes to have this eager anticipation of Jesus' return because we've got life pretty good here. We've had a lot of prosperity. We've had a lot of abundance. Uh, we've got a lot of, we've had a lot of freedom. We've had life pretty good, especially compared to the rest of the world. But you know, it's interesting that when you listen to or read some of the African-American spirituals they used to sing during those horrible days of slavery in this country, 
Did you, have you noticed that many of their songs centered on heaven and many of the songs centered on the second coming of Jesus Christ? Why? Well, because life for them was terrible. It was awful. They looked forward to Jesus' return. They yearned for heaven. For them, the Lord's return was their blessed hope, which it should be for all of us. That's what it says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul, writing to Titus, said, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So is the Lord's coming that we've been looking at and talking about throughout Revelation, is the Lord's coming your blessed hope? Is it mine? Do you love the thought of our Lord's return? What honestly comes to your mind when you when we talk about this. You know, it says in 2 Timothy 4.8, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, a reward, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, the day of the final judgment, and not only to me, but to all who have what? Who have loved his appearing. To all who have loved his appearing. We will be ready for Jesus' return if his return truly is our blessed hope and if we truly love the thought of his appearing. Well, we live during a time where many believe the Lord is coming and many believe that he's coming back very soon. I don't know how soon he's coming. I don't think anyone actually knows that, but I do know that we must get our priorities in order as Christians. Our delight must be in him. Our focus must be heavenward. We must live in eager expectation of Jesus' return, especially in the days in which we are living. We must be looking up continually for our redemption draws near. And as believers, we have so much to look forward to. The Lord's unspeakably spectacular return, think of it. The unfathomable beauty of the new heavens and new earth in the presence of Jesus Christ. We can't even begin to fathom the the perfection of the new earth. It'll be a restoration to what God originally intended before the fall. If you're not ready, if you've heard this message and you're not ready, I urge you, I compel you, repent of your sin and surrender your life to Jesus Christ, receiving him by faith as your Savior and Lord. And if you are ready, if you are anticipating the Lord's return, and may, then may your response and mine be John's joyful response here in verse 20. When Jesus says, yes, I'm coming soon, what does John say here? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Or in the words of the song we're about to sing, even so, come, Lord Jesus. May that be our heart's desire. May the Lord create that desire in our hearts. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we can't even begin to scratch the surface of the glory of all this. Almighty God, we pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts, a mighty work of revival. Pour your spirit out upon us. Have mercy upon those who don't know you. May they be born again. May they, may, may they repent of their sins and may they receive you as their Savior and Lord. 
But for those of us who know you, may your return truly be our blessed hope. May we truly love the thought of your appearing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.